Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. We're continuing our study of the book of Numbers. We are going to be in chapters 26 and 27 this morning. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to need to skip a few verses. So I will indicate uh, where we are going to be in the text. But we will start in verse 1 of chapter 26. Now, as you will see as we begin our reading, that we have a second census happening here in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers is called Numbers because it's filled, guess what, with numbers. Exactly. Wow, responsive this morning. You're awake for 8.30. (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's filled with numbers. It's filled with a census. And, and it begins with a census of the first generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt and were formed together as a nation under God's law at Mount Sinai and set out from Mount Sinai to receive the promised land. They be, the census was taken at the very beginning as they departed for the promised land. But as we've gone through the book of Numbers, Uh, And as we have seen, the people rejected the promised land, would not enter it according to God's word. They would not receive the blessing that he was given to them. And therefore, that generation, the first generation in total, besides two people, were to die off. And a new generation arose who would receive God's promise to the people of Israel. And so now, as we're coming to the end of the book of Numbers, the people of Israel are poised to take the promised land. But we must yet again take a census, numbering the people as they are about to enter into the promised land. So let us turn our attention now to Numbers chapter 26 and 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. After the plague, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from 20 years old and upward by their father's houses, all in Israel who are able to go to war. Now skip over all the way to verse 63. These were those listed by Moses and Eleazar the priest who listed the people of Israel on the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these were not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron the priest who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Then drew near the daughters of Zelephahad, the son of Hephor, the son of Gilead, the son of Mekir, the son of Manasseh from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mahalah, Noah, Haglah, Milcah, Tirzah. They stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin. And he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Lord. 
And the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. Now down to verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Go up into the mountain of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. Because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin, when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Father, we come now to your word asking that you would use it to change our hearts. For we are sheep without a shepherd unless you come and guide us and lead us. So may we hear your voice this morning as the sheep hears a shepherd's voice. And may we follow you. And we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Throughout God's Word, we are taught that we should see the way that the Lord leads Israel through the wilderness is the way that a shepherd leads his sheep. Listen to Psalm 78, a psalm written about this time in Israel's history. It says, He struck down every firstborn in Egypt. Then He led out His people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. It's a common metaphor for the Bible to use to describe the relationship between the Lord and His people. Psalm 23, we're all familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 40, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. Psalm 95, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Now, it was the job of a shepherd to protect, feed, water, number, know, care for, and lead his flock of sheep. And therefore, the shepherd metaphor was often used in the ancient Near East to describe those who were in positions of leadership, like a king. The people of a certain region or country had to trust that their king would lead them well, that he would not take advantage of them, and that he would make the right decisions to provide for them security so that they would survive. And yet there were also bad shepherds and bad leaders. 
Those who would use their authority and position to fleece the flock. They would flee when they were called to protect. They would slaughter and eat from the flock instead of feeding and watering them. They would neglect the care of the flock and allow them to wander away. And I think that all of us here this morning have probably at some point felt like a sheep without a good shepherd to lead them. You have been abandoned by those who were called to care for you. You were taken advantage of by someone in a position of authority, like a pastor or a teacher, a boss that only used you for his personal advantage and never looking for your development or good. You have heard too many promises from politicians that were only using your vote to gain personal power. And so you're rightfully wary of placing your trust in anyone who is seeking to lead you, especially when the path that they are calling you to walk down is hard and full of sacrifice. Yet the Word of God is continually encouraging us to trust the Lord because He is a good shepherd. We are continually giving, given assurance that He is leading us in the good way. But how can we trust that the Lord is a good shepherd? How can we know that He has our best interests at heart when He is leading us through a wilderness? So often a shepherd must take his sheep through dangerous passage to bring them to a peaceful field. He must take them through a dry land to bring them to still waters. And so the question that we have to ask this morning as we come to our text is, will I trust that the Lord is a good shepherd even when He is leading me through the wilderness? That is, are you willing to trust where the Lord is taking you in your life even if it means He is taking you through A hard time. Now, it was expected that a shepherd at this time would look over about a hundred sheep at a time. And it was his job to give an accounting for each of the sheep that were under his care. That was, he was to make sure that he always had the correct number, that he didn't lose any of them. And so the parable of the lost sheep makes sense. When Jesus says that what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. You see, the shepherd was expected to give an accounting for all the sheep. If any of you have ever worked as a cashier, this is like counting out your drawer at the end of the night, right? If you are even one dime short, you are going to be in trouble because you haven't kept track of all the money that was under your care. And a shepherd who was given a hundred sheep was expected to give an accounting for every single one of them. And so if one wanders away, he had to go and bring it back. As you remember, the book of Numbers began, as we said, with a census. As a good shepherd, the Lord counted out His people. And yet, through their rebellion and rejection of the land of Canaan, the first generation was caused to wander in the wilderness until the whole generation died off and a new generation arose. And now a new census must be taken to count the second generation of Israelites that will receive the promised land. 
However, as we go through the census, we get a feeling that this people must be in a major deficit. Verse 1 of chapter 26 says that the census is taken after the plague that befell the people because of their idolatry with Baal of Peor. You remember, 24,000 people died in that plague. Then we are reminded throughout the census of the continual rebellion of the people. How they were stiff-necked and grumbled. With all the plagues, with all the rebellion, with all the grumbling, one would expect that the population of Israel would have been completely decimated and that the shepherd, as he comes through the wilderness, would have lost many sheep. On top of this, they were wandering not through pleasant ground, but through a desert for 40 years. Not the environment that you would expect a population to thrive in. Nevertheless, when the total number is calculated at the end of the second census, it is within three-tenths of one percent of the first generation's numbers. The population of Israel, despite their rebellion and the harshness of the environment through which they traveled, remains virtually the same. God was faithful to His covenant promise. He was a good shepherd. And though the sheep resisted his goodness and care, he did not abandon the people of Israel, but rather gave an account to ensure his people would receive the promised land of Canaan. The census in Numbers 26 reminds us that the Lord is not only the shepherd of his people, but that he is a good shepherd, that he knows his sheep by name and that when they wander and they will wander, he will go after them and bring them back into the fold. And this is good news to us who trust the Lord to shepherd us through this world, for he knows each of us by name. He numbers us. He ensures that all who call Him their shepherd will make it through the wilderness of this world to their heavenly home. Even as the Lord Jesus promises, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of My hand. How can we trust That the Lord is a good shepherd in the midst of the wilderness. Because the Lord numbers each one of us. And the work that He has begun in your life, He will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You will not be forgotten. He knows His own. He will seek after those who wander and will bring them back to the fold. And He will keep each and every one of His sheep unto the end. Now the opening line of Psalm 23 explains to us the next duty of a shepherd. A shepherd was to number his sheep well and to keep them, but he was also to pasture his sheep. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Again, the role of a shepherd was to lead the sheep out to pasture where they could graze and receive the food that they need. 
And if we are to understand the book of Numbers through the metaphor of a shepherd leading his sheep, then Canaan is to be seen as the green pastures to which the Lord is leading his people. So back to Psalm 78. He brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel. In short, the Lord was good to bring his sheep to good pastures. Now, throughout the book of Numbers, the people of Israel have been heading to Canaan to possess an inheritance in the land that is promised to their father Abraham, to receive the land that is flowing with milk and honey. As the shepherd, the Lord has promised his sheep that he is bringing them through the wilderness so that they can receive good pasture. But as Numbers 27, this promise is in jeopardy for a particular group. In verses 1 through 11, we read of the daughters of Zephalahad. As the text explains, their father died with the first generation of Israelites. And yet, he had no sons who would receive a portion of the promised land for his name. He had five daughters, and under the current structure of inheritance, their entire family would be bereft of a portion of the land of Canaan. His name would die out when the land was divided among the families. Their family would not be included and these sheep would not receive pasture. And so they bring their case before Moses and Moses faithfully brings their case before the Lord. And in verse seven, we read the Lord's the Lord's response. It says, if you look down at verse seven, the daughters of Zephalahad are right you shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. You see, the Lord is a good shepherd. He judges rightly among the sheep, ensuring that all will receive pasture. The land of Canaan was promised to the children of Abraham. And a technicality was not going to keep the Lord from ensuring His promise to His people. So often, we can do the opposite of the daughters of Zephalahad. Instead of going to the Lord believing that He is a gracious and good shepherd who will provide pasture for all of His sheep, we run from Him in the time of testing. We fail to ask Him in prayer for all that we need. Despite the fact that he has proven over and over again that he is a good shepherd who will provide for his people. For the Lord Jesus instructs us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He encourages us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? You see, the Lord is a good shepherd whom we can trust to feed and to care for us and to provide for us. Now, does this mean in the wilderness of this world that we can expect to never hunger for bread or to never thirst? Does this mean that the wilderness will always be a light and pleasant experience? 
Well, of course not. There will be hardship. We should expect the desert of this world to be trying. Yet what we do know is that even though we are walking through a desert, we have a good shepherd who is leading us to pasture. He is taking us through hardships so that he might bring us to his promise. The Lord is leading us to green pastures, even if it means at times we must pass through the valley of the shadow of death. For He cares for us even in the midst of the desert. So the shepherd, the good shepherd, numbers and knows His sheep. The good shepherd brings His sheep to pasture, provides for their needs. And the third thing we will see is that the shepherd leads His sheep well. Now as I was doing some research on sheep for this sermon, I have come to realize that sheep often get a bad rap in Christian circles. I don't know if you've seen this or heard this teaching before, but there is a plethora of resources that harp on the stupidity of sheep. And I'm sure that you have sat under a teaching before where somebody said, you know, sheep, they're just stupid. And they can't do anything for themselves. And they just will blindly follow whoever is leading wherever they need to go. Sometimes I wonder why it is that shepherds want to tell the sheep how stupid they are. Nevertheless, those who know and study sheep give a different picture. In reality, sheep are highly relational and social creatures. They form lifelong partnerships and can learn and can distinguish between different human voices. And while they have very few natural defenses, they will attack if they feel threatened or if they feel that their young are being threatened. And within the Word of God, the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd is never used to teach on the stupidity of sheep. It is always used to highlight the care and the grace of the shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd will wander. They will be exposed to natural predators. And without leadership, they won't get anywhere. But that doesn't mean that they are particularly stupid. Rather, it means that like every single one of us, they need a leader. In the second half of chapter 27, we see that Moses will not continue as the leader of Israel. For his rebellion against the Lord, he will die in the wilderness with the rest of the first generation. Therefore, he calls upon the Lord to provide another leader in his place to shepherd the people of Israel. Verses 16 and 17 say this, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. In His grace, the Lord provides a man to lead the people of Israel, Joshua. He will be the shepherd of Israel as they enter the land of promise. He receives a portion of the authority of Moses so that through his leadership, the promises of God might come 
to pass. You see, sheep need a shepherd. Not because they are stupid, but rather because they need leadership. A good shepherd is needed to take the flock from where they are to where they need to be. And every group needs a leader. Every class needs a teacher. An army needs a general. A ship needs a captain. A country needs a president. A church needs a pastor. Why? Because without a leader, the group suffers. The mission goes unaccomplished. And the blessings of God to His people are not received as they are supposed to be. Moses was a shepherd. He had led flocks of sheep throughout the wilderness to find pasture. And when the Lord called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, he was calling him to be the shepherd of his flock, to bless those under his care. For without leadership, the people would have lost heart, would have lost direction, would have lost their vision of reaching the promised land. But the Lord is a good shepherd. And He provides leaders for His people so that they will receive the blessing of making it home. I know that there are those of you who have been burned by bad shepherds. Leaders in the church who have used their position for their own advantage. And of course, there are no guarantees that human leaders will prove to be good shepherds. Nevertheless, it is by His grace that the Lord calls forth elders to shepherd the flock of His people. Not as the chief shepherd, but as under-shepherds. To be mediators of the blessings of God to His people. Therefore, we read in 1 Peter 5 that the elders of the church are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those under your charge but being examples to the flock you see the Lord is a good shepherd in that he provides leaders for his flock and ultimately He provided for His people His Son, Jesus Christ, who came not just as a shepherd, but as the Good Shepherd who came to seek and to save and to lead His people home. You see, we can trust the Lord to bring us through the wilderness of this world to the land of promise because He is the Good Shepherd. He numbers and knows His sheep. He feeds His sheep. And He leads His sheep. But the greatest reason that we can trust that the Lord is a Good Shepherd who will graciously lead us home is because He lays down His life for His sheep. The Word of God tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, that He had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so He calls to His sheep. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
How can we trust the Lord to lead us when the path leads through the wilderness? How can we trust to to bring us through the dangers and the pain of this world? How can we give up treasure? How can we give up family? How can we even give up our own lives to this shepherd? Because Christ is not only the shepherd, but He is also the Lamb. The Lamb who was slain so that by His death we might receive life. When the enemy came to snatch away his sheep, Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, did not run away, but he stood his ground to protect his own. You can trust the good shepherd because he did not love his life even unto death, but he gave his life so that we might be saved. And therefore, will you not endure the hardships of this present world with hope? Will you not yield your way to Him and to His Word? Will you not trust Him to lead you in the wilderness of this life so that you will make it safely home and find pasture in that promised land that He is giving to us through Christ Jesus? Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to You now and we confess that we so often wander. We feel that we know the right way. We feel that we can lead ourselves home. We pray, O Lord, that You would Forgive us and that you would take us up in your arms and that you would lead us and that we would hear your voice and follow it. We pray, Father, that each one who is here would submit themselves to the great shepherd of the sheep and that through his mercy, we would all find our way safely home. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.